Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. I was thinking about the word lasting, that we want a love that lasts, or relationships that, that last. And, and when I thought about that, I couldn't help but think of the slogan, and it's a truck slogan, built to last. And, and so I did some research on it. It was 1998. 1998 is when Ford released their slogan for their F-series, built to last. So my first question is here, is does anyone currently own, you, not you used to own, but that you currently own a Ford pickup truck that is 1998 or older. Yeah, some, yeah, Duke, you got one? All right. And I'm looking around. Okay. Man, everybody here has new pickup trucks. Nice. Well, well one of the things I wanted to find out was how long a Ford pickup truck lasts. And if you want to be bored to death, Search it on the internet and listen to guys talk about their pickup trucks. And, and then read it and go, oh my goodness gracious. And so all I was trying to find is that, that number. Just give me, I wanted to know that, that Ford pickup trucks on average go 252,000 miles or whatever it is. Or I want to know the years. I want to know that, that it usually lasts for 15.4 years or however long, long it is. And I kept looking and looking and looking, and, and I couldn't find the number. But then as I read more and more posts, as individuals were talking about their pickup trucks, there was a, a theme that continued to, 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 to come about. And that was, how long you get on your truck depends on maintenance and use. Those two things, over and over and over again, that, they, that as they were talking about, they said, you can buy the best truck, but if you do not take care of the truck, it is not going to last. It's not going to last 100,000 miles. And so I went and I looked, and if you get a, a, a 2019 Ford pickup truck, the first maintenance where, where, where they are, have a, a list of 15 things that need to be maintained is at 10,000 miles. 10,000 miles, they want that truck back in there and, and being taken care of and, and looking for signs of abnormal wear to know if there's anything wrong so that if, if, if you're going to have that, that truck, that it's going to work for you. The other thing that I, I want you to think about as we think about, because this is about commitment, and, and this is what we're going to begin talking about, is I was whining about this a couple months ago, my, my Jeep, my uh, 2004 Jeep, uh, needed maintenance. And so I went in, into the mechanic, and, and I, was telling, I was talking about this, and he asked me, you know the first question he asked me? How long do you want to keep it? Dan, how long do you want to keep it? Because how long you want to keep it, it depends on how much you're going to invest in it. And I told him, I said, I want to drive this thing until the wheels fall off. And he's like, okay, 
That's easy then. Then this is what we need to do. And it was, you know, at that time, it was $1,500 worth of investment. But then when I compared that with a new one and all that, all of a sudden $1,500 wasn't that bad. Things running great. And so when you think of lasting love, I want you to think of relationships. And and we're going to get around to this at the end of the message too. But one of the questions as you look at the power of commitment in lasting love, and as you look at a relationship, because they're all different, but the question is, how long do you want it to last? And, And when you get that question, when you answer that question, how you maintain it becomes very self-evident. And the same is true of this lasting love. And what we're going to say, the sad part is people know better how to take care of their trucks than they know how to take care of their relationships. If you get the email we send on Friday, you know I wrote this in there if you read it. And that is, if you were to get, the average pickup truck lasts roughly 15 years. The average marriage lasts 8.2 years. So if you were to get married and buy a pickup truck at the same time, you would have your pickup truck longer, seven years longer than you would have your spouse if you got it in the divorce. That was the issue, though, if you could do that. And again, we, we, we look at that, and to me, that amazed me that I looked at that, how can we be more committed? And I think one of the reasons why is we know how to maintain our vehicles better than we know how to maintain our relationships. Even my daughter knows you have to go get the oil changed every 3,000 miles. She knows you have to go to the gas station. Well, maybe she doesn't know that. She knows she has to bring it home when it's on empty, so I take it to the gas station. But those types of things, she knows when it starts to shake that she needs to call me and need it, and maybe the tires need to be looked at. Those are the things we know. We know how to maintain them, but when it comes to relationships, we don't get those things. There's no shop we can take it into. That is why we are doing this message series and and looking at the power of commitment. So let's go to the first fill-in. It's important that, that as we talk about commitment, we know what it is. Commitment is a dedication that restricts. And, and I think this is why people, you talk about a fear of commitment, it restricts the use of freedom. It restricts the use of freedom for the sake of something else that is valuable. Restricts the use of freedom of action for the sake of something, and sometimes it's not even valuable. You, might, you can make a commitment to something that's not valuable, but, but you do that and it still sucks you in. But as you think about it right now, I want you to think about uh, if, you, if you're someone maybe in high school, college, who has ever been on a sports team, I want you to think about the commitment that you make to a sport. And when you do that, it is a, it's a restriction of freedom of action. Because first of all, you can say goodbye to all your afternoons and weekends. They're gone. Those now belong to your coach, who at any time can schedule a practice, and you are expected to be there, or you are either off the team, or you're not going to play. You're going to sit on the bench for a while. And everyone on that team says, all right, I'll do it. I'm I'm happy to do that in order to play that sport. Another 
place where you might do that is uh, one of the courses we offer here with our uh, Bible study is Financial Peace University. When you commit to a budget, you, you gain a type of freedom, but you also lose the freedom to spend as much as you want on anything you want. That the budget is a commitment that teaches you to say no, and no, and no, and yes, yes to something that, that's even more valuable. And, and that's why people do it, and they find it very freeing, and it's worth it. And also, as we look at that, it can be commitment in a relationship, in a, in a marriage. As I think about my relationship with my wife, the, the restriction of freedom, that there is no more going to other people, there's no more shopping around, that you say, no, I am committed to you, committed to you for the rest of my life. And that's, that's a good trade of the freedoms that I'm giving up for the relationship that we can have. And what we're going to do now is, is look at these commitments to start with our relationship with God and, and see why commitment can be such a powerful thing and it's essential for a lasting love and a lasting relationship. The first verse we're going to look at is Romans 5 verse 8. And it says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And with these words, why I wanted to start there is I wanted to start with God's commitment to us. And so if, if you look at God's commitment to us in reference to this verse, what, what it is saying is this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that he restricted the use of his freedom of, an, of action for something that was more valuable. And I want you to think about that in terms of Jesus. That when Jesus came into the world, that he restricted the use of his actions. Jesus came in as true God into this world. He became one of us. He became true man. And, and as he went through his life, th there were opportunities. Oh my goodness. If, if Jesus could have, and he could have gone around with lightning bolts. Anytime anyone did something stupid, zap. Anytime someone said something stupid, zap. Anytime that anyone were, were to come after him, immediately to, and he didn't do it. He restricted it. Jesus, who in the, was in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grabbed onto. But he made himself nothing, taking on a human form, become, becoming obedient even to death, even death on a cross. And so in these words, what, what I want you to see and what God wants us to see is his commitment to you, that there is sacrifice, that God is saying, you know what? You, each and every one of you here today, even when you were lost in your sin, even now as we have the sinful nature which we confess, even now when we do things that are not loving to him or to others, he remains committed to us. That is the value that God has for you, that he gave himself, that he gave his life for you. And I don't want you to underestimate the strength of having someone committed to you. Because I think we all know the pain of thinking someone is committed to us and then breaking it. 
and the pain that that causes. When someone says to you by their actions, by the breaking of a relationship, you are not valuable. You are not valuable to me. You are not worth the sacrifice that I promised to make before. That's over. That's not the way God works. And do you see how this galvanizes his relationship with you? That no matter what happens, he is dedicated to you. He is committed to you. The songs that we were singing before, you know, love never fails and never runs out. All of those things talk about the commitment God has for you. In the blank, you can write, God's clear commitment to us is seen in Jesus. And now we celebrate his lasting love. The verse I have next is explaining the lasting love. This verse actually goes with this point, and that's Romans 8, 31 and 32, where it says, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Another way of saying God is committed to you is to say God is for you. And if God is for you, who can be against you? Well, a lot of people in the world might be. That you might have enemies. You might have people who come after you. But the reality of it is, is compared to what we have in God, they, they will not stand against him. No matter what, what giants they are, no matter what monsters they are, God remains, remains with us. And, and here is the, that as you look at this, the truth is that Having given us Jesus Christ as our Savior, when we look at our lives and say, I still have needs, I still need God, I, I, that's fine that I have, have heaven in my future, but I also need him today for the things that I, I face. And this verse is saying, it's using an argument from the greater to the lesser, that you don't think the God who gave you Jesus, who saved you in your worst, most difficult issues, won't help you now with the other things you're going through? That's what it means to have a lasting love. That what it, that's what it means to have a committed love. It's there for you always, and God is. The next verse, and we go to Psalm 37. Now, what is our response? How do we live with lasting love? Take delight in the Lord. Enjoy this relationship and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteousness, your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. In the blank, let's fill that in right away. We respond to God's love with a commitment of our own. We respond to God's love with a commitment of our own. The lasting result of our mutual commitment is vindication. That, that, that we are righteous. We stand before God righteous. We in, enjoy the, these blessings that he has given to us. But as we do this, and as we do this, God has shown commitment to us in Jesus Christ. His love is attractional. It draws us in. That he commits to us and then says the, the natural reaction is for us to commit to him. What does that mean? It means because of my dedication to God, 
there is a restriction of freedom of action for the sake of something that is valuable. And here is where discipleship and following Jesus, that we, we look at Jesus as our savior and we go, great, he's paid for my sins. I, I go to heaven, that's awesome. But Jesus is not only our savior, Jesus is also our, our Lord. Jesus is also our king. Jesus is also the one who, who rules us. And, and so as we look at this, it's important for you to consider and answer the question, what freedom am I giving up when I commit to the Lord in order to receive something that is more valuable? Well, I'll tell you the valuable thing that it, that's being talked about is a re, the relationship with God. The valuable thing, it, it, a way that I'd like to say it is, the Christian life is its own reward. That, that I will tell you, as I live my life, uh, what I'm talking about is when, when a car drives slowly past my house, I don't quickly dive on the floor because I think it's my drug dealer coming to get the money from me that I didn't pay. When my phone rings or my wife's phone rings, I don't worry that it's someone telling her about a relationship that I have with someone else. I sleep like a rock at night. It's great. The Christian life is its own reward. That, that when you live uh, a life, when you commit your way to the Lord, there is that, there's a peace to it. But there's also a sacrifice to it. And, and that sacrifice, it comes with that sinful nature of mine that wants to do, as my mom used to say when I was a kid, she used to say this all the time, Dan wants to do what Dan wants to do. And, and that would be whenever she was trying to tell me what she wanted me to do. And, and when I was faced with those two options, I kind of wanted to do what Dan wanted to do. And I did it. And that frustrated her. But now in our life with, with Christ, we're faced with this, am I going to do what God wants me to do or am I going to do what I want to do? What does God want me to do? Commit. Commit to loving him with all my heart and with all my soul and with all my strength and love my neighbor as myself. It's not what I'm always looking for. I'm looking for something that's going to make me happy. I'm looking for things that are going to take away the pain. The Lord says no. No, there's a, there's a different way. There's a better way. Trust the love I have for you, the commitment I've made to you, and trust me as you commit to me. We go on to Psalm 37, verses 34 to 36. Hope in the Lord and keep his way. He will exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are destroyed, you will see it. I have seen a wicked and ruthless man flourish like a luxuriant native tree, but he soon passes away and was no more. Though I looked for him, he could not be found. Let's fill in that blank as well right away. Commitment is most important at the times when you are least likely to uphold them. This is huge, okay? So just, just take a moment, and I want you, you've all gone through this before, and, and either it's with you or with your kids, 
And so what happens is, let, let, I'll make up a situation where my, my son is invited to a birthday party on Saturday. And he says, you know, it's an RSVP, and he says, yeah, I'll go. But then what happens is he gets a phone call from, from a friend who says, I have tickets to the Golden State Warriors Phoenix Suns game on Saturday. You want to come? And he says, yeah, I'm in. Sign me up. He doesn't even think about the commitment he made to the birthday party, to, to the, someone saying, you know what, I'm going to be there. I, I RSVP'd yes. And in essence, what he was saying was, I'm willing to do that unless something else better comes up. And, and I'm going to tell you that, that as we look at it, I, I'm... All right, I'll say it. I wasn't going to, because I, I don't want this to beat up, but I'm just going to say, when I have classes, Bible basics classes, Christian essentials classes, and even growth groups, in an average week, 50% of people actually go to the class. And again, I'm, I don't want, it, I don't want this, this to be like some big guilt trip, because I know you guys work for a living too, and some days you get home, you got migraine, you're like, you know what, I'm... And I get that. And I understand you need margin, you need rest. But also, as I look at that, it, it makes me wonder sometimes if we say, I'm, I'm want, I'll do this unless something else comes up, something else that, that might be better for me. And that is the opposite of commitment. And so with, with, with group, that's one thing. But now the problem is, is when that happens in a marriage, and when you make the promise, it's relatively easy to make the promise. I promise to uh, love you in sickness and in health until death parts us. That's easy. Anyone can say that. I'm just repeating what the pastor told me to say. But when you have a sick spouse, anytime, but especially if you have a sick spouse, when you have kids, it's, it sucks for me. That, that as you look at it, all those things, I want to do this. I, we were supposed to go to a party and you're not feeling good. Now I have to stay home. That's no fun. Well, well as you look at it, it's one thing if, if there's some, you know, some health issues. But what if those health issues are things that are a little bit deeper and long-lasting, things like depression or anxiety or or other types of hurts that go deep into their, their personality and who they are. That as you live life with them, it's, the, the thoughts come through, maybe I'd be better off without them. And it's at those times when you're least likely to keep the commitment that it's most important that you do. And, and so that is what, as you look at that, as I talked about before, I want you to think of this in two groups. One of them is, is the times when someone in your greatest need has bailed on you. And, and I know there are many people here who have that, who have had that pain and frustration of when things got difficult in a relationship, whatever type of relationship it was, a marriage, a family, a, a work situation, whatever it is, you had people bail on you and you still feel that pain and that hurt in your life now. 
But we've also all been on the other side. When we have made commitments and they got difficult and and we went towards self-preservation rather than keeping the promises that we made. It's at those times when you're least likely to, to, to keep those promises and commitments that we double down on them and say that's exactly. Those are the times when relationships and lasting loves are forged and galvanized. Getting through those difficult times, it's the way that God works with you. That is Jesus on the cross. That is Jesus when, when, when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and say, Father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Jesus is saying, this stinks. I know what's coming and it is not good and I would rather not do this. And the Lord makes it clear, no, this is, this is the commitment. This is the promise. Not my will, Jesus says, but yours be done. And we know how it ended with his payment for sin. My encouragement for you, if you are in the middle of one of these situations, this is why as groups we do life together. This is why we have Christian friendships through these difficult times, through these difficult commitments that we gather around each other and we keep them. We go on. Consider the blameless and observe the upright. A future awaits those who seek peace. But the sinners will be destroyed. There will be no future for the wicked. What the psalmist is helping us do, and if you are someone right now who's in the middle of a commitment that is very difficult, what he's helping you see is he's helping you see past it. There are storms in in relationships. There are storms uh, that, that go on for long periods of time, and they're difficult. And what he's saying is, as you have this committed, lasting love, there's a future, not only for the relationship, but for you. And when you get through these difficult times, what is there is something that is so valuable. And even in the midst of it, it's valuable, even if you cannot see it. It's helping us see through. In the blank, you can write, I have a lasting future in my commitment to God and his goodness. I have a lasting future. We talk about our destiny heaven for sure, and even in these relationships, once we get through the, heart, the hurt and heartache, that we have something that has stood the test of time and is valuable. The next verse, Psalm 37, 10, or 39 to 40. The salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord. He is their stronghold in time of trouble. The Lord helps them. And delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. And now here is how God and his commitment to us helps us as we go through difficult times of commitment on our own. It's in these difficult times that God is there. In the blank you can write, a committed love is also a dependable love, especially in difficult times when we need it the most. A committed love is also dependable, especially in difficult times. I need you to understand what type of person you are, and, and I'm going to categorize into two different groups, and, and you're probably not just, just one or just the other, but, but maybe kind of go back and forth. But this is, this is what I have found with people that I minister to. There are certain people... When they come to church, I know there's a problem. And that's because they never come to church. 
And, and then when you see them, the, the question is, okay, what's wrong? That, that they come here, it's a difficult thing, something's going on, or it's Christmas or Easter, something like that. Anyways, that, that there are that people who come here at that time. Then there is another group of people, when they run into difficulty, you don't see them at all. They, they're gone. They, they don't want to be here. And, and they don't want to be around other Christians and things like that. Now here's the deal is that even as I say that, maybe even in my voice inflection and tone, that we look at individuals who come here in difficult times, and, and, and there's like this cynicism about them, right? That, oh, great, they're, they're just, that would be the group, they're, they're just sorry they got caught. They're sorry, they're, they just come, they want to get out of this pain, and they're using God. And I need you to just stop the judgment right there. Because as we look at this to say, salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord. He is their stronghold in times of trouble. And and so if that natural inclination is to come to God in these difficult times, that is a good reflex to have. And as we look at ourselves as brothers and sisters in Christ, when people are going through the difficult times that we wrap our arms around them. And I'm just... This happens in groups. It happens in relationships. But very, very seldom does it happen when there are not relationships and commitment. And that is why one of the ministries that we have at Crosswalk in a group that I just, I know I talk about a lot, but I just, I love them so much because of the work they do is our resilient and recovery ministry. That when you think about, again, a group of people that other people give up on, it's that group. And they say, you're not going to change. You're going to be this way. And, and, and there's no place to go in this difficult time when they need God the most. And Resilient opens their arms and says, come on, there's always room for one more here. And, and you're going to be loved and not judged. And you're going to be accepted by God. And not only that, but we're going to stand beside you as you work through this. No matter what your addiction is, no matter what your hurt is, no matter what your hang-up is, there's a place for you. That is the type of love that Christ had, that when people had difficulties, they ran to him, not from him. But if you are a person on the other side, there's a danger of saying that you are a person who maybe thinks, I have to get my act cleaned up before I can come to church. I need to get it cleaned up before I can come to God. And and when I come here, that means I have it figured out. And when I'm not here, it means I I don't. No, that is why the encouragement is for you to come here all the time. Good times and bad. God is always the stronghold. He's always there. His commitment to you. And Crosswalk's commitment to share God's word every Sunday is part of it too. That we're going to say, we'll be here, we'll be open, we'll have our doors open, and we'll have our arms open for you to come in these difficult times. This, I, I just can't say this enough. This is why we do a study of God's word. This is why we have groups. This is why we have the different ministries. This is why we do it all. So that at those times when people are hurting their most, they, they doubt the least that God is with them. We finish with John 13, verses 34 to 35. A new command I give to you, love one another. 
As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And I'm going to tell you, it's not a shallow, short love. It's a lasting love. Jesus, with these words, and they're words of law, just so we're clear. Commit to, to, commit to God, commit to one another. And, and now, as we look at this, it's going to be, this is where this gets very practical. And, and this is very helpful to me. In the blank, you can put, in my life, I make commitments for a reason, for a season, for a lifetime, and for an eternity. So, first of all, we, we make a, a commitment for a, a reason. Right now, an example of this would be the Levine Barbecue. Uh, the Levine and, and Crosswalk partners with Levine Community Council uh, to, to really staff the barbecue. And as you go out today, there's going to be people in the tent that are going to be there and say, hey, if you want to be part of this for a reason, the reason is community togetherness, it's loving on Levine, and it's helping for a specific amount of time. I don't even know how long they are. For an hour or two or something like that, you can do this for a reason. Commitment made, after that time period, commitment over. The next one is for a season. This would be growth groups, volunteer teams. So with our growth groups, they're all 12-week periods. And, and they're meant to be that way to say, this is a time when there's an on-ramp. And if you come to a group for a week or two and it doesn't work out, take the off-ramp. That's fine. But once you get into a group, the encouragement is for 12 weeks that you do everything you can to be there because it's at that time we do life together. It is that time that we put our arms around one another, and, and after that, but there's, but there's seasons. And the reason why is that, we, that they aren't going to be a lifetime sentence, that you, it's, you can't commit to that. Or even our, our volunteer teams, always they're, they're a year commitment that you have an opportunity at any time, but, but we ask that you commit, that you say, you know what, during this time period, I'm going to do this. And, and when it comes to, uh, when we get to July and August, that's the time to say, you know what, I, I've done my season, do I want to continue or not? That's how we do commitments and we have clarity. The next one is that we have a commitment for a lifetime. And as we look at those, that really gets narrowed. That as I look at that commitment to the lifetime, one I've made to my wife, another one I would say also to my family, to my, my blood family, if you want to call them that, uh, that those are the commitments where for the rest of my life, whether it be my parents, my brothers and sisters, I'm, I'm committed to them and, and the relationship. And if you are very blessed, you also have friends like that. That, that you can't have a lot of them like that most of the time. Most of the time, it's a few that, that you've been through a lot together and you hang together. And then finally, you have relationships for an eternity. And those are, are relationships that you have, first of all, with God. But I don't want you to miss that this is the fellowship that you have with me by virtue of being my brother. I'm, I'm your brother. You are my brother or sister we are God's children. And no matter what our, our happens in our lives, 
that there might be a person here that is here at Crosswalk for this day and this day only who, who knows Jesus and, and we are, are, we're going to have our paths part, we'll see each other again. We will. We have that same future in heaven. We'll bump into each other. And that's what we also have, that, that we share this commitment, this common commitment from God to us and our common shared commitment to God to love him and love each other. Now, here's the deal. As the church, what I want you to do is I want you to start by committing to reasons here at Crosswalk, then to seasons here at Crosswalk, and then to lifetimes. But the problem is, not the problem, that's self-serving. It's self-serving for a church to try to get that from you. But the correct order to do this is you start with the eternal commitments. You have to make room for that commitment first. The most important commitment you have is your commitment to God and his word. As the psalmist talked about, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, number one. The second commitments that you need to make are, are most likely to a person, if you have someone sitting next to you today, but, but for me, definitely it's to my wife. Right behind God, she's number two. And, and it's a great place to put her. And she loves being there, behind God in my life, loving him, loving her. Then you have room for the seasons that you say, getting that ordered properly, where are the places that I can serve and, and be served? What are the commitments I want to make? And then those reasons, are, those are the ones that we can make, those one-offs. Yeah, there's a time and a place for those. But get the order right. This is about lasting love. This is about lasting relationships. And understand that, that it starts with a commitment. As you leave here today, I want you to think about the, the, the commitments that you have. I want you to think about where they fit under this, of are they for a reason? Are they for a season? What are they? Start to say, okay, what, what is the order we're going to have? What is this going to look like? And, and finally, remember the commitment Christ has made to you. It's a great one. What a great relationship we have for an eternity. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you for the commitment that you have shown to us in Jesus Christ. In our greatest need, at the time that you could have and probably even should have bailed on us, you didn't. Uh, you, you sent him, you doubled down on your commitment by sending Jesus into our lives and, and giving us that, that forgiveness of sins. And now, Lord, we have an opportunity to respond to you with lasting love as we commit to you and, and we commit to loving others around us. Help us, especially on those days when we want to bail. Uh, be especially with people who are here today, who are suffering, who are hurting because of, of commitments that, that they have made, that they know they need to keep. Uh, give them strength to get through it. And, and Lord, continue to be with them. And Lord, finally, help us to, to show your love in our lives uh, with all the people we run into. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, 
head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. Lasting love. And as we we think today of the power of commitment, next week is the power of words. It's so important as you you consider your relationships during the series that you keep coming because each one is the way that we maintain relationships and keep them centered on Christ and his word. And as you go, go with God's blessing. The The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Have a great day.